So, so there's, there's a perfect blend between God's role and our role. You know, there's a big, a big uh, challenge that people have. You know, w- there's a, a, a mitzvah for us to trust God. Just put your trust in Hashem, right? Which is called bitachon, which is trust. He's got it, he's got it worked out. But there's another thing that you can't just sit at home and say God will provide. Like you got to go get a job. You got to go. You you got to go. So so how do they both fit? And it's a big struggle. So I think the best way to understand the struggle or, or to to resolve that struggle is your job is not to stop pursuing, no matter the outcome. Your job is to pursue. Your job is to go out and try. Send out your resume to twenty five. 50, 100 places, never stop. You know, what is his name? Uh, the guy from KFC. Colonel Sanders. He tried to sell his idea to 201 banks. 201 banks. Until the 201st bank said, okay, we'll try it. And then years later he sold his recipe to his own company for many 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 billions of dollars right unbelievable didn't stop trying his job and this is our job the mishnah tells us this lo alecha your job is not to finish the task but you're not allowed to stop pursuing the completion of the task whether or not i'm going to uh score that job or I'm going to succeed in this task that's it, it's the results are irrelevant it's the efforts that are not compromisable yes I love that. Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress. That's excellent. Excellent. And that and the truth is is that that's the only thing God wants from us. That's it. You know, there's a story of of a man who it's it's a tale that's told it's a it's part of a song that uh, one of the great the Jewish composers uh, wrote, but it's called Yankel. He was a man. Everyone would make fun of him. He was the schlepper of town. He was, you know, the, the he was the the nobody of town. And everyone would mock him. He would look at him. He's 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 the schlepper. He he doesn't he doesn't do anything. He's like you know he's always. He wasn't very intelligent. He wasn't you know very. One day the ha- the the rabbi comes into synagogue at two three in the morning. And he hears someone crying. So he walks quietly, and he sees in the ark, behind the curtain of the ark, the ark is open, and there's Yankel, and he's praying, he's praying, he's asking God, please, I keep trying, please, please, give me wisdom, please help me, help me thrive as a human being. The rabbi heard this, and he says, I have to help him out. The rabbi sent him, and he became a world-famous scholar, and, you know, you know, after many, many years of, of hard work. But the idea is never to give up. 
we never give up. And that's, that's the, you, you think of how many times did the state of Israel have a very good reason to give up? Every day. Think about it. It's like, how many times can I wake up to people hating me? Right? And they continue to persevere. How many times can we wake up with arrows, like literally uh, missiles facing towards our homes? And people wonder why Israelis are high strung. <laughs> right? Did you ever wake up with the missile to your doorstep? Right? Yeah, of course they're going to be high strung. They, you know, they, they have the entire Middle East is with arrows facing our way. So, okay, we're a little off, but the idea, we're off topic here, but the idea here is to, to never, ever stop pursuing perfection. And by the way, we're going to work on traits, we're going to talk about traits, and we're going to say, oh, I'm a million miles away. The goal is not to, to travel that million miles. The goal is to start getting on that path. It's not, to, it's not to jog those five miles every day, but at least get started. Get started. Do 10 feet. Do 20 feet, do 30 feet, do as much as you can do. Don't try to reach perfection yet, but don't stop pursuing it. Okay. Um, the work of man is to run after the Shekhinah, the, the presence of the Almighty, right? With all of our might, without delay. This is Rizut. When we do a mitzvah properly, when we do it with the right enthusiasm, so there's not only the action, there's the inspiration behind it. You know, and we have to distinguish there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. So I can observe a mitzvah, but I do it with, with laziness, like, eh, I'm not so excited, I'm not energized by it. I, you know, it's like, uh, you're pulling, it's pulling teeth. I don't really want to go to synagogue, but I'll go. I'll make you happy. Okay, mom, right? That approach, or I can infuse it with an energy. I can infuse it with a, a motivation. I'm not going to waste time. I'm going to go do it and go get it done. So the, 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 there's a certain energy, there's a certain force behind it that doesn't allow it to, to wither, that doesn't allow it to, to you know, there's, there's something to be said for um, keeping it fresh, keeping it exciting, right? When you, l when you just wait and wait, what happens is eventually the leaves fall off and it doesn't, it doesn't have the energy, it doesn't have the, the excitement of being a beautiful flower, a beaut right? Zrizut, or alacrity, zeal, is allowing Hashem's inspiration into our lives. Right? Anybody here that does not have a U.S. passport? You don't have a U.S. passport at all? Oh, but you have a U.S. passport. You're a U.S. citizen. Yeah, okay. Do you know what anybody in the world, and I've been, I'm sure you've all traveled the world, what would people do to be an American? Right? And yet we, we're the ones with depression? Wh why? We should be waking up in the morning, dancing on the rooftops. Right? We're Americans. We have freedom. Do you know that what we're doing right now, this room, 2,000 years ago, we would all be escorted by uh, Roman guards to the center of town and our heads would go off. You know why? Because we're studying Torah. Yeah, we have freedom. And America is the only country in the world that didn't persecute the Jews for our observance of Judaism. You know that? England did and France did and Italy did and you name the country. Russia did. Any country you can think of, you can name, 
persecuted the Jews. And our sages of recent, our modern sages, call America the Medinat, the Chasidusa, right? A, a government of kindness. It's unbelievable the, uh, the privileges that we have here. We take for granted. We don't realize how blessed we are. But it's not only that. Who here, you know, I once went to a, to a conference uh, back in, in uh, March. I went to a conference, and, you know, right before Shabbos, before candlelighting, they had this buffet like you can't imagine. I mean, I, I gained 10 pounds just by that weekend. The food was just ridiculous, right? Of course, it's a, it's a whole kosher event, and people come to these events expecting to, unbelievable. And I'm just having a good time meeting people. Hey, how are you? I didn't see you. Da, 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 da. Oh, where are you? Houston. Yeah, great. Okay, great. Uh, this is in New York. And then I see someone come in, someone about my age, on a wheelchair. And behind him, they wheel in two crates of oxygen tanks. And those oxygen tanks need to be replaced every hour. And there I am thinking to myself with total shock, where are my tanks? Where's my oxygen tanks? Oh, I have it built in. I have it built in. And I'm upset. And I'm sad. And I'm not dancing on the rooftops. Right? I don't, I didn't, I don't recall having to go schlep those, 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 those oxygen tanks. And how many people who sadly can't see or can't hear or are mute or, or, or whatever, people can't walk, people who can't move their, their arms... And I have that free. We have blessings for that. There is so much that we can be infused with joy and happiness and gratitude every single day. And we're like schlepping around. Uh. And I think it's, it's sort of the, the, the more luxury we have, the lazier we become. The less satisfied we become. It used to be, my brother tells me, my brother tells me that every $10 he spends on toys for his kids they become 10 points lazier. He says, I'll give them a bat and a ball, go outside and play. Right? No toys. I told my mother-in-law, actually. I hope she doesn't hear this podcast. I told my mother-in-law, anything that requires batteries or electricity, don't give my kids. Nothing with batteries or electricity. I prefer them have a ball. I prefer them have a bat. Get them Legos. Let them be creative. I don't want them sitting, being ma- manipulated by games and toys le- that, you know, light up and all. It's fine. Let them go out. Just like I did when I was a kid. They didn't have these things, and you're a lot younger than I am. So, right, so w- it's, it's unbelievable that, you know, we're living in a world today where kids at the age of one and a half already are playing on iPads, and they know how to move screens. Like, it's unbelievable. I'm a techie. My children look at me as if I am a dinosaur. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> but either way, we're not happier because of it. We're not more motivated because of it. We're lazier. We're a lazier generation than almost any previous generation. Because we're just we're, we're accustomed to just like we can click a few buttons on our phone and it, there it is on our television. We can manipulate our... And the truth is, we can benefit from it, but we can't lose the appreciation and the enthusiasm, right? You can, I can, I have what we call a smart home, right? And I can do everything from my phone. 
turn the lights on, lights off, air conditioner on, off, everything from, from my phone, from a tablet, from anything. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Right? You can be across the globe and you can control everything that goes on the house. You can see with all the cameras. It's, it's, it's really amazing. But it's taking away, perhaps, our energy, our excitement, our motivation to do things. Because if I have to get up from my seat to do it, ugh, such a drag. Right? And it, 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 I think it's hurting us. It's hurting us, potentially. So, the what's the opposite of this, though? Though, okay, what's the opposite of zeal or alacrity? So we see that Reuven, the oldest son of Jacob, was scolded for being too quick. Right? What did he do? He switched his father's bed from from the from the uh, from the tent of Rachel to the tent of Leah, his mother. Right? And he was punished for that. His father reprimanded him. He says, "Pachas kamain, you move too quickly. You're too, you're too." Um, you're too impulsive. impulsive. That's the word. Thank you. You're too impulsive, meaning being too. It means there must be balance. Everything in Judaism. If you want to know th- what I call the definition, if I wrote the dictionary and I wrote Judaism, I would put it. The definition of Judaism is balance. That's what Judaism. It's balance with every trait, with every mitzvah. It's always balance. That's that's the, I think the the most uh, accurate definition to Judaism, right? Reuven was scolded for being too quick in judgment. Right? He was motivated. He was enthusiastic. He was excited. So he just no. You got to be careful. We can't. We can't. You mean we have to have a balance in the way we act. The opposite of zrizut, of alacrity, we think is laziness, but that's not true. It's lowliness. It's shiflut. Lowliness. I'll explain what that means. Lowliness. Low. Right? This lowliness is dressed in many different subtle ways. Right? Laughing off serious matters can be shiflut. Okay? So if we have something, an, an important s- topic that needs to be discussed, and we just laugh it off, we brush it off. Right? What we're doing is, is we're diminishing the respect we have for that idea. So we're lowering it. Um, to say about something inspirational that, ah, it isn't for me. Why are we doing that? Why are we pushing it off? We're pushing it off perhaps because of shiflut. We're lowering it. We're diminishing its value. So when we have proper value for something, we have enthusiasm. When we don't have the proper value for something, we l- when we're lowering it, it doesn't mean anything, so why should I do it? That's the struggle. So the more value something has, the more excitement, the more energy we put to it, the more enthusiasm we have. It's very interesting that it says, Zrizin, those who are quick, it's the Talmud tractate in Psachim. In the Talmud, it says, Zrizin, those who are quick, makdimin mitzvot, right? They advance themselves towards the mitzvah, right? Because if, to me, if to me a mitzvah is worth something, I'm not going to waste any time. Th- it's not the idea. People think, that, again, the word in Hebrew can be taken out of context and said, you do it quickly. You don't do it quickly. It's just you do it without it l- losing its 
excitement, it's luster, it's exci- it's energy. Okay, mitzvahs are advanced to them. The more they rush towards mitzvahs, the more opportunities we allow for doing mitzvahs. So it says, mitzvah goreret mitzvah. Right? A mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. Avera goreret avera. A sin leads to another sin. So we, we, what, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Right? Do I do the mitzvah and then another mitzvah comes? Do I do the sin? Like, wh- wh- where are we? Well, where's our enthusiasm? If our enthusiasm, if our motivation is to do a good deed, you know what will follow it? Another good deed. Because that enthusiasm grows. But if I have this lowliness where I keep on pushing things off because it doesn't mean anything to me, so then I push off one thing, I'll push off another thing, I'll push off another thing. So we have these two worlds. One could be a world of inspiration, a world of lowliness. These are the two polar opposites here that are struggling against against each other. One is going to say, you know, just, oh, come on. Yeah, you, synagogue, you, you, you became suddenly so righteous. You're going to go, right? I've, I've heard people tell me, like, Rabbi, I, I, I don't think it's right for me to, um, you know, we, we just started a new project. Um, hopefully you'll see it in the next couple, com- in the next couple of weeks, next couple of days, hopefully. But, um, you know, these light switches, so it's a big challenge on Shabbos you know, because we have certain habits. We walk into a room, we flip on the lights, right? So everyone has this, right? From the most observant to the least observant, everyone has this habit. But what do you do on Shabbos when we're not supposed to use electricity? So sometimes we can make that mistake. So the, this this company in New York made this brilliant idea. They came up with this brilliant idea. They're going to make light switch covers, right? And it's a magnet. It sticks to the two screws that are on top and on bottom of the of the switch, and it's a magnet, and you put it on. And that way, uh, for Shabbos, and my t- one of my children has the job, he goes to each room, he puts the magnet on the light switches, so that no one, by mistake, turns it on or off on Shabbat. And that's his pre-Shabbat uh, job. And everyone has a job for Shabbos. That's, the, that's what we do in our house. And so we had this idea at Torch to give this out to the entire Jewish community in Houston. One light switch cover, or as many as you, you want, uh, free. And just take a single step towards Shabbat. A single step. And I had someone tell me when I was talking about the idea, they told me, you know something, I feel like I'm a hypocrite. says, I, won't, I don't observe Shabbat. I drive. I use my phone. I, I, I go places. I travel. I do things. And now I'm covering my light switch. So I said, you're making one of the four fundamental mistakes Jews make about Judaism in that we think it's all or nothing. And it's a huge fundamental mistake. We don't believe in all or nothing Judaism. We're not all in or all out. Whatever we can do, we push ourselves to do. Whatever we can't do, we'll get to a point where we're ready to do it. Right? We take the step we're ready to take. What's that? Okay, yeah, we have the the uh, funeral. Um, uh, so, my dear friends, thank you so much. We'll continue this, God willing, next week. Um, I look forward. I'm very excited to be on this journey with all of you. If you didn't sign in yet in any of the previous weeks, please do because we're putting together the email list so that everyone can get Did everyone get a reminder for this class? You did? Okay, great.
my email is a w o l b e at t o r c h w e b dot w e b dot o r g a will be at torchweb.org i welcome your questions comments anybody wants to get together for coffee i'm always available for coffee we can get together a pleasure or for talmud we have a scholar who comes join us on on fridays for uh talmud lunch have a terrific week thank you thank you so much good morning everybody it's so wonderful to be back here to study some Musar together and to hopefully be inspired to improve the way we all deal with our struggles every day. Uh, last week we had part one of Zrizut, which is zeal or alacrity. And we need to understand that Zrizut is the emotion behind the action. Many people think that Zrizut is the action itself, but it's really the emotion behind the action. So we need, we need to think of Zrizut as the engine that drives the action. You know, people spend a lot of money to get cars that have a 0 to 60 that is one second faster than the other car. And it's bragging rights and it's, you know, I don't know when you'll ever use a 0 to 60 on any car. You know, wha- if it's three seconds, four seconds, or eight seconds, I don't know what the difference is going to be in, in the grand scheme of things. But that is this result. This result is the, the drive behind the action. Not the action itself, per se, but the drive behind it. We tried to define last week that alacrity or zeal is the, the, the force of getting things done without delay. I don't even want to use the word procrastination uh, because that's that's a whole other thing. That's a, it's you know we we d- we already defined uh, mankind as being heavy, right? We remember we we dropped the keys, right? When you the keys fall, why? Because there's something called gravity. We all are heavy, even though you're featherweight and you don't need any diets. I just started a diet last night, so wish me good luck. But um, uh, what what we are is heavy. We are heavy. We don't want to do things. We want we, we if we can just watch the winning Astros all day, we would do that. Sorry, I know it's painful. <laughs> but if we could, right? If we can watch the 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 our favorite shows and our favorite movies, we would love to do that all day. Okay, sadly we can't. Sadly we have other responsibilities. We have to earn a livelihood and we have to, uh, you know, uh, go to sur- some birthday parties we don't want to go to right, because someone would guilt us, right? Or, you know, but really a human being wants to just sit and do nothing. That's really what we want. But we have certain motivations that help us do things. Uh, someone has a motivation. They want to buy a nice car, so they have to earn the money to buy that to pay for that car. So if someone wants to buy a nice house. They want to, you know, have have a nice family and a, w- a place to live. So they get motivated by certain things. What happens to something that has no motivation? It doesn't get done. It doesn't get done. 
and we just push it to the bottom of the list and it, it'll never get done. But it would be really nice if I went to visit that person. So how do I put a motivation to it so that it gets done? And that's what we're trying to accomplish here with this trait of getting an emotion connected to an action so that it can eventually get done, hopefully sooner rather than later. All right? You have a question there. like ah right so th there are a couple of incredible motivators um, for for some people I know for myself when people doubt me that's my biggest motivator I love it like I, I once was in Memphis Tennessee as a single guy and uh, we were doing some summer program for the Jewish community in Memphis I had a great time. And when we were done, we were like, it's so sad, we're just leaving. We came, we were here for two weeks, and now we're just leaving. We're like, we have to keep a connection. So someone suggested maybe we do a weekly Dvar Torah so that we can keep in touch, and like through the Dvar Torah, you know, we'll be able to continue communicating throughout the year. So I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. I came back home, and of course, the first portion is Bereshit, easy. Noach, okay. Lech Lecha, eh. You know, it starts getting more and more difficult. And my brother, I was telling him about this new initiative that I was working on. He says to me, you know, most people who start don't finish. I was like, okay, game on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I finished the entire cycle, uh, adding on for all the holidays and for, s for the Pesach Seder, a whole, a whole, uh, a whole uh, list of... Uh, but that's for some people, right? I personally get motivated by that. When someone doubts my ability, right, I'm going to show them, right? So that's, 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 a, that's a motivator. But there's other motivations. There could be a motivation of the reward that you get, right? The rewarding feeling when you open up that refrigerator and you see like, ah, look at, the, look, look at what I did. Look at what I accomplished. Now, or the motivation of, of that losing that weight or you go on a diet and you're like, look at me, look. You know, I used to be, I used to be heavyweight champion, and look at me now. I'm like a slimweight champion, uh, right? So that also could be a motivator, seeing other people getting inspiration from other areas. But what do we do if we don't have that enthusiasm? It's like that phone call you don't want to make. So what do we do then? It needs to get done. How are we going to get it done? So there are a couple of tricks. I mentioned one last week. Um, you can connect it with a specific task that you do like. So if you don't like to uh, make that phone call to that, uh, an that aunt of yours um, or that friend, that long-lost friend that you just want to you know, hear how things are going, you don't, you don't want to make that phone call because it's going to cost you two hours of your day it's, you know, it's a long, they don't stop talking, or whatever it is. 
So if you attach it to something that you do enjoy or make a limit to it, you say, you know what, I'm, I'm about to walk into a meeting. I have 10 minutes. I want to catch up with you, right? So then you know that there's a limit to it. You're able to put, or you can put it, you know, I'll buy myself a, an ice cream if I do this task, right? You can treat yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Treat yourself to the task. But the idea is, is to be living in a, in a world, in a life, that is motivated, that is proactive, not falling behind and ah, never getting things done. The idea of, of Zrizut is not, it says, the idea of Zrizut, of, of, of this alacrity or zeal, is not that we do things quickly. Most people, if you translate from the Hebrew language, the word Zariz, anybody Hebrew, anybody Hebrew speaking Hebrew? Zariz means to do things fast, right? Zrizut is the same word, but in the Musr context, it's not referring to doing things fastly. It's referring to doing things with the energy behind it to get it done. It's overcoming the lazy tendencies that we all have. We all have those lazy tendencies. How do we overcome it? How do we infuse what we do with a motivation so that we're energized to get things done? Right. Another trick that I mentioned last week was, you know, for me, I one of the things I really don't like is going jogging. Like I need to, but but I, I don't like it. So what I do is I say, you know what? I try to trick myself. I'm not going to go jogging. I'm just going to put my jogging sh jogging shoes on. I'll I'll be dressed for jogging. Right. And once you're dressed for jogging, already, you're already halfway done, right? So you might as well just go, right? So you, you sort of trick yourself to, to get to a point where you're doing the things that you really don't want to do, okay? So, and and it's, it, we have to think about this in every area of life. If there's a, a book you need to read but you really don't want to read it, you say, you know what? I want to go get my coffee, but first let me read 10 pages and then I'll go get my coffee. So you bargain with yourself. Because the, the things that we want to do will get done. Things we want to do, things that we're motivated to do, we're going to get them done. Yes? Procrastination is the result of laziness. means when I'm lazy... I I just don't want to do anything. I want to just sit back and you know watch the game. So I push things off. Really, if I wasn't lazy, I would get it done right away. For me, I, I'll tell you personally, I the way I get things done is I, I, I make myself a list. I have, I'm actually going to, we're going to talk about this, hopefully the next topic we're going to talk about is going to be order. And I worked on a, uh, I, I've been working on this trait for a very, very long time. It's one of my bigger struggles of order, uh, more of time order. And uh, I, create a, 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 I created a worksheet for myself in how I manage my days. And typically, when I have, let's say, 10 tasks, I'll write those 10 tasks on this sheet. And I will mark myself at the end of every day 
on how that they went with all of that those tasks. Anything that's left over, I move on to the next day. Um, I have to show it to you. We'll get to it when we talk about order. But the idea is that we all have, particularly today, we have hundreds of different tasks that we need to do, most of us, right? Every day, we have different tasks that we need to do. How do we get them all done? Well, the things we're motivated to do, we do. want to go pick up that, that dress that's being altered, and we're very excited about it, so we'll go pick it up. We're very excited about that. How about making, you know, making that arrangement for a friend who's coming to visit, and you're like, you really don't want to deal with that now. Like, you know, so that we push that off. How do we get a motivation behind everything that we do? Okay, we, we're defining this. Is it, is it clear? Right? I'm sure we all struggle with this in so, some way because we all have the same tendencies, the tendencies of just not now. Just not now. Yes. Right. That's that's a great motivator. Motivator, if if one can uh, get that motivation to just like no, okay, I just I I need this off my list. Done. Um. It's funny because be, the day before I travel, I probably, it's like, the, you know, the 90-10 rule? You get 90% of the work done in 10% of the time and 10% of the work done in 90% of the time, right? So I'm the 90-10, right? In 10% of the time, I get 90% of the work done. It's like it all, all cylinders are, are, are firing and, uh, and just get, get it done. So... Um, Zrizut is the emotion behind the action. To illustrate the difference between the an, uh, between an enthusiastic helper and a non-enthusiastic helper, right? You ask someone to bring you a glass of water. You need to remind them seven times to just get you the glass of water, like your children. Sometimes my children are angels, so that never happens, of course. But um, uh, if if that were to and versus someone who's motivated to help, who's motivated to assist. Um, they get it right away, right? What's the difference? It's the same action of bringing the water, but there's a difference in motivation behind it. What's inside, right? And it's okay, so I it's it's almost. I hate to say it, but it's like I have to bring the the the, the Astros into this, right? So we had we we suffered a devastating loss this week, right? Don't tell me that you're a uh, Washington Nationals fan. I'm sorry. Okay, I don't want to hear it. Okay. So, right, I felt that they were just dragging. It seemed almost they didn't want to be there. They were tired. We had a long season. Best record. You know, it's like they, they really they don't want to be there. That's what it felt like to me. I was like watching. It was like it was a drag for them. Right? And it's like, all right. The other team, it seemed like they wanted they wanted the gold. They wanted this. They were motivated. And that's what I think is like that that challenge that we face is how do we be the people who are constantly motivated, who are energized, who get things done? Okay. So 
you have the same it's the same idea of people who are motivated or excited to go pray to synagogue and some people who are not uh, excited to go volunteer and some people who are not it's like i have to do this so i'll do it it's my duty or i love this i love the opportunity to help right it's the same action they're both delivering the meals on wheels but one is doing it with an excitement with an energy and one is doing it without any enthusiasm at all all right so what we're trying to become is people who are enthusiastic about the things we're doing. You're doing them anyway. Get them done with excitement, with energy. You know, it's very interesting that we have a, a mitzvah to eat matzah on Pesach. It says that we should eat it with, with excitement. Right? You're like, what? Right? Because, so, so here's the thing. Is so what's the inspiration behind it? If we really understand what the inspiration behind it, this commandment is to eat matzah, it gives us a totally different flavor to why we're eating it. It means sometimes we have to think into what we're doing a little bit more to gain an appreciation to why we're doing it. If we don't take the time to realize what prayer really is, then why would we be motivated to waste, uh, you know, waste three hours of, of my day, uh, of, of my Saturday morning, to pray. Why? Who in the right mind would want to do that? And, and then hear the rabbi speak forever, right? right? It's like, why would I do this? Well, if I understand what prayer really means, then I'm motivated, perhaps. If I don't understand, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if I shared this story here. I had an individual after one of my classes, I had a Shabbos morning class. Did I say this story? I, so I had an individual after my Shabbos morning class. Uh, and, you know, I try to encourage everyone after we're done with the class, go join, join the regular service that's going on. So this individual says to me, synagogue's not for me. I'm out. So I said to him, hold on, hold on a second. I said, Cause sit down, have a seat. Sits down. He says, I said to him, well, what's, what's your beef with, with prayer? So he says to me, you know, I've been going to synagogue for years. And all I do in synagogue is run after the chazan. He said, the, the, the one leading the, the service is, is, you know, here I'm turning the page, here turning the page, there I feel like I'm running a marathon back and forth with the pages. I don't know what they're doing, what they're saying. He says, by the time we're done, I am wiped out. He says, I'm done with, with synagogue. I'm done. It's not for me. I said, is that what prayer really is? I said, let me tell you what prayer is. The prayer is having a conversation with God. It's just talking to God. You don't have to be in synagogue. You don't have to have a quorum of, 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 of adults to have, to, to have prayer. Prayer could be anywhere. Prayer could be in your car. Prayer could be at the library. Prayer could be at the, at the, on the line at the bank, at the grocery. Prayer could be anywhere. Prayer is having a conversation with the Almighty and talking to Him in your own words. In fact, the sages tell us that the greatest part of prayer is when we add in our own personal requests. There's a part in the prayer in the Amidah by Shema Koleinu where we can enter in our own prayers, whatever you want. And according to many opinions, at the end of each blessing of the Amidah, you can add in your own personal prayer. So we say, Slachlanu Avinu Ki God forgive us. Right? And then you can add in right before the Baruch Atah, right? You can add in your own personal request. 
and we ask for wisdom. You can ask for your own prayer. God, help me with this. I'm, I'm, I'm facing a certain challenge. Help me have the wisdom to deal with this properly. Healing. I have, I have some friends who are str- struggling, a relative who's struggling. God, can you send them healing? And you can add in your own personal prayers. And our sages tell us that's the most desired part of the Almighty's side of prayer. He wants to hear your personal request. Great. It's important for us to say the prayers in the way that the, our sages prepared them because they they deal with certain heavenly powers and forces that help have that mercy that we need for our prayers to be answered. But to put in our own personal requests, right, that's the most important part of prayer. So I said to him, prayer is not running after the chazan. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer, go in, close your eyes, and talk to God. Close your eyes, open your heart. And just talk. Anything. Ask for your children. Ask for your parents. Ask for your friends, for your neighbors, for your community, for your people, for your nation, for the Astros, right? 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 Pray. That's what prayer really is. It, it, it's almost, it, it's, it's sad. It's sad to see how many people I'm involved with on a regular basis, students, people who come to learn a torch, that tell me that they're disenfranchised with, syn- with the synagogue experience. They don't want to be members anymore because it's become so, such a drag for them. And it's so expensive. And it's so, right, I'm, I'm sitting here in a synagogue. I hope they don't throw me out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the, uh, the, what we really need to do is make workshops for what prayer should be. Just to learn how to express ourselves. And people think, like, you know, God really doesn't care about my issues, my little quabbles, my little, you know, worries and fears. Oh, he sure does. If any of our children had any challenges, we would want to hear about them, even as small as they might be. And we, w- we want to be able to encourage them or tell them or help them, guide them in any way, any way possible. Why is God any different? Why is God any different? God wants to hear every one of our challenges. You know, also our astros. Absolutely. God wants to hear that. Uh, he wants it, it. Prayer is a conversation. Yes. No, 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 no. We are the big things. We are the big things. In, 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 in God created the world, the entire world, for us, for you. Do you know that the Mishnah in Sanhedrin sa- tells us a person must say every day, Bishvili nivraha olam, the world was created for me. For me? Yeah, for me. For you. The world was created for you. That doesn't mean that you're on an island and you can be selfish. That means you have to t- undertake a responsibility and recognize that God gave an entire world for you to experience with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your experiences that you had in your life. Everything is perfect for your challenge that you're going to face throughout your lifetime. It's a perfect world for you to deal with everything that comes your way. There's a whole, there's a whole, I've given many classes on this topic, um, might be able to find them on YouTube, but um, there's a lot that we need to understand that God 
What, what are the big things in this world? Humanity. It says, like the, the Talmud and Tractate Sota in the beginning says, what is God busy with all day? Well, what is God busy with? What is he dealing with all day, all day? What is God dealing with? Sages tell us, it's the Talmud, okay? God is busy making shidduchim. God is making matches. Now let me explain to you what that means. What is the absolute moment of uh, serendipity? That moment of what we call hashgacha pratit, divine providence. That's the way a, a husband and wife meet. That is the absolute. Let me explain to you why, okay? How many people here were suggested by a friend for them to meet their spouse? A friend, right? The friend happened to know you and happened to know your husband and says, you know what, I think this might be a great idea. How did you meet that friend? Well, I happened to, I, I happened to sit next to them at synagogue and they mentioned to me I might have an idea. Who put you next to them? You could have sat at a different seat and they would never have met you. You could have gone to a different synagogue and never met them. They could have perhaps never met your... I, I can tell you that the person who introduced me to my wife, right, I met him two years earlier. We worked together a little bit. We had a, a, we had a great working uh, experience. And two years later, my father-in-law bumped into him and says, you know, by the way, my daughter just came back from Israel. She's starting to date, if you know anyone. And he says to me, I, I don't even know who your daughter is. I mean, it's like, he says, but I know your son-in-law. Right? He says, your son-in-law, and he mentions my name. And my wife says, and it was love at first sight between me and my father-in-law. But, <laughs> 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 but, but, um, it's like, it's like what worlds needed to turn around for me to even meet this individual, right? And I'm telling you, many worlds had to turn around for me to meet this person. It was like, I, I, when I was thinking back to how I met this individual, it was like so, it was so not normal for this to happen. He was running a program that the registration had closed six months earlier. I had decided that I was changing my summer program just one day in the middle of July, right? If I wanted to get onto this, uh, that Memphis program I mentioned earlier, if I wanted to get onto that program, I would have to register in J January. They were closed already months ago. And everyone told me, you're wasting your time because they're, they're you know, everyone wants to be part of this program. They send you to different cities. And it's like, I said, I said fine. What's his number? I called him up. He says, where are you? I said, I'm in Lakewood, New Jersey. He says, come to my house. I, he opens the door, and he says to me, Memphis, Tennessee. And, yeah, and, and that was it, and that was the beginning of, 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 of a journey. And you know, I went there many, many, many times uh, subsequently after that summer program. To with, you know, I, I love the community, and it was really, really great uh, to be there. But it was... It was amazing that that one experience ignited a relationship that many years later introduced me to my wife. How many things, how many doors needed to open and close in order for me to get to that point where I just called that individual? So what is God busy doing all day? 
he's busy with the backstory of each one of those meetings that are going to lead to a husband and wife meeting. And I've heard dozens and dozens of stories of people telling me where they, you know, they didn't want to go out, they were so upset, and a friend called them and invited them, and then they happened to meet someone who then invited them to a different party who were there. They happened to meet their, you know, their, th- a girl, and they went on a date, and she suggested her best friend. Or, you know, it's like you have all these stories, like one thing leads to the other. It's not just random. That's God playing chess with us and putting things, putting us in the right place where we need to be at that right time. So it's not just that one meeting. It's all of the things that led to that meeting, which is all of the existence. So God is putting, you know, a person loses his job. You're like, oh, this is crazy. Devastate, devastating. Well, God is just moving that piece, telling him, you got to get to here because by this time I need you here to meet this and this person. You'll start a new company together, et cetera, et cetera. I, God is laying the groundwork. So who does God care about? He cares about you because you are the center of his world. You're a very, very important piece in God's world. And God wants that piece taken care of. So when we open up our, 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 our mouths and our hearts, it's by the way, it's an interesting thing. You know what is the definition of prayer in the Talmud? Tefillah, right? Right. Tefillah is, is, but it is a, a specific terminology in the Talmud. It says, Avodah Shebalev, work of the heart. That's prayer. Whenever you see the word Avodah Shebalev, it's talking about prayer. The Talmud says this. Ezohi Avodah Shebalev, what is work of the heart? Zohi Tefillah, that is prayer. Prayer means opening up our heart. Yes. 